0: Welcome to another From the Rookery. Inn, the last one of the season. My name's John. Uh, with me uh, today is Mike. Oh, hello. Uh, oh, positivity. Uh, and Kieran. Hello, nice to be back. Yeah, and uh, we'll be joined a little bit later by Colin. Michael Parkinson, Arlo is here. Arlo, how are you? Good. Uh, you've been in Manchester for a couple of days now, or a day or so. What have you been up to? Football. Just football, because that's what this city's all about. We're going to go watch a game of football. Mike, it's, Old Trafford is a, a very different place to Vicarage Road.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, Arlo and I did the tour yesterday and what the, you just realised coming here on a non-match day, just ha- what a behemoth this place is. It's just an industrial size football club really. There were people outside 24 hours before selling the match day half and half scarves. Um, they really sweat the property during, um, during non-footballing times. There's loads of people on the tour, really, really busy, completely different beast absolute licence to print money anything that can have the Man United crest on it has got the Man United crest on it and it will cost you but look ultimately if Man United gets a lot of stick for being a day tripper's day out I get that but it's a great place to be to watch football especially on a sunny day like this
0: yeah and it's the uh, it, it looks it's heaving already we're a good couple of couple of hours away from uh, kickoff, uh, and if you do want a scarf there's plenty on sale. <laughs> uh, I said to Mike, we turned up. We were at the end with the uh, the, the Holy Trinity of uh, Law, Best and, and Charlton. Good and I said uh, to, uh, to Mike, I said, uh, I'll meet you by the sellout end. And you went, well, the one that sold all the tickets. I know it's the sellout end. For all the huge amounts of uh, sponsorship and corporate paraphernalia that's uh, across the end of it. But that's me being a bit cynical. This podcast brought to you by DHL. <laughs> no, I wish and it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, though, what are you looking forward to today? Is
2: it going to be anything... Yeah, it's a nice end of the season. Yeah, it is a nice end of the season and look, our record at Old Trafford in the Premier League seasons we've had hasn't been very good but my hope is that they've got one eye on the FA Cup final next week. We know that they're playing Michael Carrick as a bit of a farewell to him so I would like to see Nathaniel Chalabar get a little bit of a run out. It would be nice to see him back in a yellow shirt so I don't come here with the pessimism that I might have done maybe a few weeks or a few months ago. I actually like to think that we might be able to get something today on the basis that they have a big game next week.
1: I think it's important to say that we've got players who will be desperate to shine on a stage like this as well. They're going to have the sun on their backs, they're going to have 80,000 pairs of eyes on them in the stadium, however many million, perhaps even billion watching around the world. So these are guys who I think, um, like we've always said, have arrived at Watford for a reason. Amazing players whose careers haven't quite gone, got to the peaks that they want them to be. This is undoubtedly where these guys want to be performing. I reckon they probably owe us an away performance. What better place to do it? They really. I'm really hopeful of seeing, if not a win, a decent performance. And just, come on, you can do it, lad, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens uh,
0: after this jingle uh, when we will reflect on the game that we've just seen.
2: A podcast made by Watford fans. fans for Watford fans. From the rookery end.
0: So we stand outside uh, Old Trafford. Well, a bit bit outside in the car park just around the corner. Watford, nil. Manchester United, one, Michael. The team came out. Your first thoughts on seeing with Richarlison, Gray, Pereira, Hughes... Uh, and Decore, uh, what was what your first thought in terms of what could this team do today?
1: I thought it's exciting against a team, um, a second string, if you can, Man United can have a second string side, with a team who have got one eye on the FA Caps final next week. Sunny day, I thought it was a real good chance for, for Watford to get amongst them and, and perhaps do something, go for it, last away game of the season, let's try and, uh, try and end on a high and beat that sort of away day hoodoo. Um, so in that regard, they went for it, and I think for the first... I don't know 15 20 minutes or so and it looked like it was going to work. I thought Watford moved the ball around neatly, incisively, got into dangerous positions. But again, same old story when it came down to to making it count. Found really badly lacking actually. The amount of possession we had, uh the amount of possession, the amount of play, the type of player we had on the ball and the type of area we were getting getting the ball to not come away with even a goal I think is or even a real chance of note, apart from Richarlison's header, which was a great save. We didn't do enough with the the amount of possession and with the players on the pitch we had. It's frustrating, I think, is the the way I describe it. In the
3: formation, Colin, was it 4-1, 4-1? It was a 4-1, 4-1, which took me a bit by surprise when I saw that we had a midfield of uh, Delefeu, Hughes, Richarlison and Pereira. (laughs) It's like normally you would have three of those four, but not all four. And Decore on his own, in between the midfield four and uh, and, and the back line. The, the reality of this game was that they didn't really cause us many troubles. G- Gomez didn't really have anything to do except yeah. he had to pick the, the ball out of his own goal. We sort of... Uh, I, think, I can't remember if it was from a corner or something. Anyway, we, we ran out, we had a very high line and they chipped the ball over. Apparently it wasn't offside, or it looked offside. looked miles offside, but apparently it wasn't. And then there was a little dink pass to Rashford and, and, and a simple goal. But apart from that, really, they didn't cause us much trouble. They... It wasn't that they weren't at it. I, th- I just think we, we managed them quite well. The mm. problem is that we just don't have enough uh, in the final third. We've, we've got good players to play across that midfield, but what we haven't got is a cutting edge. And, and Mike's been saying it for weeks, and it is absolutely true. But the problem is that to be good in the final third, these days, you have to spend millions. Um, More
0: than millions. Yeah. Hundreds of millions, so <laughs> we guarantee it at least.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, so we had Gray on his own. Uh, which uh, and he worked hard. He ran and he he, he pushed and he, he dragged uh, defenders wide and he, he did he did whatever he could. But when he had his moments, first touch let him down a little bit, although it was a little bit better than it has been previously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Deeney came on and yeah, we just we don't look like a Premier League forward line, but we look like a Premier League midfield. It's that final
1: ball or the final hit, the final sort of tiny jig piece in that jigsaw. We're getting into really good areas. We're beating men. Uh, players are finding space in dangerous areas and then it's, that, right, you've got that split second play that ball to that man now and there's going to be a decent chance and all too often, 99 times out of 100 I'd say, it doesn't go we, we either don't move it quick enough, which is what we were doing at the start of the season, fizzing it around nicely everyone knew where the other one was going to be knew that when you're going forward we're looking to create an opportunity now it looks like we're going forward because that's the thing we're supposed to do, as opposed to being you know, the end game here is going to be a shot on goal and I think there's a lot of players lacking in confidence. I thought Andre Gray looked a different player today. Just a goal last week and all of a sudden he looked you know, a couple of inches taller again and he looked like he was starting to muscle muscle defenders out of it and looked looked all right. But Colin's absolutely right. If you look at our forward line and the way they act and perform, it just doesn't feel like a, a functioning Premier League. Um, we're not a functioning Premier League outfit when it comes to putting the ball in the net. Look at the the, the four column in the away games uh, since since the new year and... You know, that, that speaks volumes. Nil, it is... Nil point. Well, well as Jason pointed out, we've got one at Man City, but bizarrely enough. But really and truthfully, and I don't think today's a day to be too downcast, but it's pitiful. The away performances, to not to score one goal in in 2018 is, is pitiful. Um, and I, I think it speaks... Um, not of uh, Gracier's tactics, but more of a of a of a, of a side that is shorn of confidence and they've, it's almost like they've forgotten how to do it um, and never was that more in evidence than today. Sunny day at Old Trafford. Yeah, I mean, we we I often could... accuse Watford of being on the beach. I think United were... Uh, I, yeah, yeah, they were the there
3: taking. for the taking. They were, I agree with that. But
0: there was a bit, I thought, in the second half where actually United were <clears throat> not allowing us to be us and we were sort of passing the ball around quite a lot. Not yeah, there were, Where we did have occasions, we were pressing, you know, shouting, shoot, shoot, and of course they weren't. But they were trying to, you know, they were really tight at the back. Nothing was able to get through, and there were loads of occasions throughout the second half where literally the players were like Watford players were waving the other Watford players like, "On you go, on you go!" Like you're going, why are you having to tell them that? Surely you can do, you should know to do that straight away.
3: Well, that, that is true, but we were playing a sort of unique team that we've not played before, so we had two left wingers. In, in Pereira and Richarlison uh, we had Hughes who he likes to play through the middle and we had De Feu, who is a, is a right winger But and then we had Jan Matt and Holabas and there, there, was a, there was a bit of do we go for it do we, do we overlap do the, do the full overlap our, our, our wingers or do they hold or, there was a little bit of indecision yeah. and I suspect that was because it was a slightly unusual formation and they, we didn't want to get exposed and the moment we were exposed we conceded because mm. too many players went up the pitch and they pinged it over the top and we couldn't get back in time I think the thing going forward, if, I'm, if I may, I just think that we have to be very careful about our expectations because if you look at this season, the three teams that have gone down, Swansea, Stoke and West Brom, if you remember early in the season, West Brom fans were screaming uh, for Pulis to leave. I don't suppose they wanted Pardi particularly, but what they, the reason they wanted him to leave is because they wanted to play more expansive, exciting. But we've been in the Premier League now for however many years it is, and we want, we want to develop, We want to and suddenly, boom, they're down. And that's something we've got to be really wary of.
0: Stoke the same. Stoke were, were after Pulis left, I think hugest thing was to, to yeah. develop a team and to make them not another Pulis side.
3: Yeah, and they did that. And then they sold a couple... They, well, Bojan got injured and a of went to West Ham and suddenly they can't score a goal. Mm. And scoring goals seems to be the absolute premium in the Premier League these days, more so than keeping clean sheets. You've got to be able to score goals. I think the three teams that have gone down have probably scored have probably been three of the bottom five in terms of goals scored whereas we've scored quite a lot of goals not, not recently but yeah. in the first half of the season so I think we have to be careful of our expectations you know surviving in this league as Watford Football Club is an achievement in itself of course we want to develop we want to see better players come to the club we want to try and have a go at seventh or sixth or whatever and God knows I absolutely I regret Desperately saying that we were in a battle for because <laughs> I think I totally jinxed the club from top to bottom yeah. by saying that. But you know, we do want that, but we have to be careful. We have to be. We have to understand that. A club our size, like uh, you know, with the, with the kind of uh, the town, the size it is, and the budgets that we have, we have to be a little bit careful about expecting too much. Because once you overreach yourself, suddenly you can find yourself in a relegation a relegation battle which you're not prepared for, and we have to avoid that at all costs next season and the next four or five seasons and see what we can do.
0: But surely the, the difference though between being in that battle and then being Burnley, it isn't about attractive football, no, and it isn't actually that many points. It is a handful of games on the, in, in, in going another way. And of course, they, you know, how many one nils did Leicester do to win the league? It doesn't take that many goals to, to win games of football. There was a lovely moment, though. The biggest cheer, uh, be it from the Manchester United fans or the Watford fans, came when uh, Nathaniel Chalabar came on. Finally playing at least some football for us.
1: Great to see him back, wasn't it? And he was a bundle of energy and he was powerful and he was driving forward and we were out and sitting in the sun watching Challiver power on. If you, if you really sort of squint and take your mind back, we could have been uh, August down in Southampton or, or Bournemouth, couldn't we? Those those heady days when we had the season stretching in front of us and the best looking Watford side we've ever seen. Uh, so, yeah, great to see him back. What did he have? 15, 15 minutes. Um, you know, looked tough, looked strong just great to have him back and he's just one of those that you really want want to want to see back it's been a slow long tough Journey back for him, um, but he strikes me as someone who's incredibly positive. He, he strikes me as someone who's certainly bought into to Watford Football Club. There was a lot of um, patting of the badge there as he came to salute the away fans at the end, which was which was great to see. I don't think there's any doubting Chalobah's commitment to Watford. And we've talked about Richarlison and, and Decore and where their future lies. I think you know, just look at that, look at Chalobah, look at Will Hughes and, and Tom Cleverley, and I think you've got three guys there that you know, as, as chaps round the, at the pub. I know it's a bit base, a bit basic, but they're the sort of guys you want to see playing for your football club actually so um, plenty to be plenty to be positive about and Colin is absolutely right about expectations I think now is the time to sort of reset and just sort of Think about the games we've won. Think about the games we've lost. What we could have achieved, but also what could have gone so badly wrong. You know, we the team's bigger and, and more established than Watford had, that have had a very, very tricky, tricky year this season. I count us as one of them. I think we've been on very much on the periphery of the relegation fight. I think us uh, as supporters, we're we're generally more pe- well, me in particular, more <laughs> pe- pe- pessimistic than a than a than a scientifically studied approach would would dictate. But. It hasn't been easy for us and if things don't go right over the summer, it could be another difficult, difficult um, yeah, and I, I think we yes as supporters we have to have expectations. But also I think Scott and, and Gina are very bullish about Watford's opportunities and, and where they want them to go. And I think they they have to they have to put their money where their mouth is as well. And I don't mean that in a in a flippant way, because they obviously have put a lot of money where their where their mouth well that doesn't really work, doesn't it? they've <laughs> got, got that big mouth. They've invested heavily and they've delivered something pretty magnificent for us as Watford supporters, but they do talk about going forward, they do talk about being the best of the rest and i think it's patently obvious um that we aren't there yet we aren't there yet we need uh we need to be better um in more games i've I've mentioned it before i think there's a there's feels like there's a slight cultural issue um whether people are getting away with whether their attitudes are absolutely 100 percent every game who knows i don't there needs to be you talked about burnley we if, you're, if your chin's on your chest at Burnie, do you think Sean Dyche is going to give you a pat on the back and, um, uh, and a pay rise? You're not going to get anywhere near that side. And you will, under, you will know and understand exactly why you're not being picked. And I think that needs to happen, happen here which is difficult it's much more cosmopolitan there's there's lots of different ways of life there's lots of different stories behind all the players that but
0: also hard. there's one man in charge and he's been in charge for a very long time at that football club and that yeah. you know, we yeah, haven't yeah, got that absolutely. that sort of in terms yeah. of the playing side of it we haven't had a, a, a you know someone to really drag those players in whatever direction
3: it needs to be dragged in um, and i think there's an interesting point to be made here which is we talked mike and i talked about it yesterday was which is that if you're going to have a head coach then you can't leave it all to the head coach. If you are the chief executive or the owner or the chairman or whatever, you have to set the agenda for the players. You can't just allow the head coach, who may change every year or every six months, you have to set the agenda at the club and say... This attitude isn't good enough. We need more leaders on the pitch. You need to to be more determined. You can't just leave it to the head coach. And if the head coach can't achieve it, say, well, this one's not really quite for us. We'll get another one. If you're Scott or or Gino, you've got to step in and say, "This this is the culture of our football club. This is our head coach. And you have to do this because the players... Have so much power these days, and they have so much influence, and they are the assets. So you have to look after them, but you also have to dictate how what their attitude is. And I'm not saying that there's been a bad attitude uh, amongst the Watford players, but what there isn't, quite, is that really uh, sort of tough kind of winning mentality that I think we need. If we you know, you, you mentioned Leicester winning so many games one-nil. I mean, how do they close all those games out? presumably they weren't 1-0 in the 89th minute, they were 1-0 in the 30th minute or the 40th minute or the 50th minute, but they closed those games out. We haven't been able to do that. You know, toll the bell, Crystal Palace, Swansea, Everton, um, uh, Burnley, you know, that's 12 points, gone. And we were in winning positions in those games. If we could have closed those games out, we would be in the mid-50s and we weren't able to do that. And that isn't just about bad luck. It's not just about cleverly getting sent off. It's not just about the head coach. Happened under two head coaches. It's a cultural thing, and I think that if you're going to go for a head coach rather than a manager who you ask to lead the club, then the people above the head coach have to come in and lead the club with the players. Maybe they do that. We know we don't know. We don't get a, a view. But that, that, that I feel that there's a there's something there's a toughness that we haven't quite achieved yet, uh, which Burnley clearly have in spades. Although no. I wouldn't want us to play like Burnley, <laughs> but but you know you admire you admire the achievement. <laughs>
0: So we end the season, Mike. The game is over. Let's count down the top ten of the Watford 2017-2018 season. Ten. Number ten is the fact that we are still here, and we are the fact that we're here. We're here at Old Trafford in the Premier League and we've got another season in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know me, absolutely pessimistic, negative to the end. So to be here on the final day of the season at Old Trafford, basking in the sunshine, knowing we've got another Premier League campaign to look forward to next year, can only be a positive thing. Um, I think, again, we've gone far too close. I think Scott chastised me, Scott Duxbury, the, the Watford uh, uh, chairman, uh, chastised me probably quite rightly for being grumpy, saying, look, Mike." He didn't. Call, he didn't say that, but he said, <laughs> "Look, during Watford's time in the Premier League, we I don't think we've ever been in the in the relegation no. zone, apart from the opening day of the season on uh, on alphabetical order, and and that is something to be. Um, I think that's something to be cherished. And I think as you get to the end of the season, and you're safe, you can take a step back and look at it a little bit more dispassionately and think about our achievements um, and think about where we are as a football club. And away from the last game of the season, safe in the Premier League, playing Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world." I don't see how you can be anything but disappointed on a day like today, when you're looking at the season and enjoying it. Over the summer, obviously, there's things to look at, but the fact that we've done it, we've cracked it, mission accomplished again. In what has been a tumultuous season, we've had a lot thrown at us. We've had Marco Silva, we've had terrible injuries. If Marco hadn't had his head turned, if all the people had been fit, we might have been stood here playing for Europe. So I'm not doing cartwheels, but it's impossible not to smile in it, I think. I think It's well done. Well done, Watford. Number 10 is Watford's
0: continued presence in the Premier League. Nine! Kieran, number nine is Etienne Capoue's thunder blaster goal away at Bournemouth last August. It was a, a surprise goal from Etienne.
2: It was a surprise goal. He'd started the game on the bench, hadn't he? And he'd come on and... We know that there is this rivalry that has developed between ourselves and Bournemouth and we haven't had the best results in the Premier League against them so that was a nice moment wasn't it because that killed the game and and it gave us three points in a nice August sunny day down by the seaside but uh, Etienne came into the season as well with some question marks didn't he, there were some rumours potentially that he might move on, he didn't start the season in the starting 11 so that was an opportunity for him to prove himself very early on and that one came later on in the second half didn't it so it essentially killed the game it was a nice result against Bournemouth and it meant a good start to the season as well and we know what happened eventually later on as the campaign uh, drew to a close but that was a nice day out for everyone concerned we don't get many tickets when we go down to Bournemouth because obviously it's a small stadium the Adelaide de chant yeah. took off took off down at Bournemouth so no but look I think Etienne uh, over the course of the season has had, a, has had an okay campaign but that was without doubt his main highlight
0: and we talked last week on the podcast about how he's really you know really started to grow grow up it felt like maybe that's not the right word um under under Javi and certainly found a new role uh, that we we didn't expect him to have at the beginning of the season
1: I think he potentially I was having this conversation with, with Colin yesterday some quite remarkable tea rooms actually in the heart of Manchester so uh, for those of you who are worried I'm not the cultural type well <laughs> there you go we had a slice of cake and a cup of tea in the middle of Manchester yesterday um, and I think Colin made the good point because I would have said um, the same thing I said Capu's been a bit of a revelation under Javi Gracia, and and Colin's taken I think looking at it again dispassionately is that yes he's performing better but he still leaves Decoray far too much to do and that midfield people are having to work a lot harder than is if than if Talibar was in there or if Cleverly was in there so I still maintain that he's one of the most talented footballers at the club when he's on his game he's absolutely brilliant he can ping those passes around like like no one else he's a great player I think he leaves far too much on the pitch for me Um, but yeah he's been important you can you have to when you're when your team is bereft by injuries. Um, you have to get the best that you can out of the players, and I think he has done well. He's done because uh, we've been harsh, harsh, harsh critical um, towards him over the, certainly the Christmas and New Year period, so I think it's only right we uh, give him a little uh, tip of the hat since, uh, since then. He's done well. He's done well. Eight is Gomez's performance and double
0: save against West Ham United. It was, uh, it actually won the individual uh, performance of the season at the award this week, Kieran. You know, Gomez with his injury he hasn't been in the, in the team for the second half of the season not because he went out because he was terrible but you know, it's always hard to bring a goalkeeper back in uh, when one's doing so well but that game really just shows us again what great Horelio is uh, to Watford Football Club
2: oh, 100% and I think not only typified that match but also typified his career as a Watford player how many times has he saved us over the years that he's been at the club how many times has he saved us more points than lost us look we know the reputation that he came to the club with. We know the reputation, unfortunately, that he's not been able to shake. But when I look back at Horelio Gomez, his career at Watford, whether he's here next year or not, I look back at him with huge admiration. And I think he goes down as one of our best goalkeepers ever. I know that's not exactly a bold statement, but when you look at that double save against West Ham, it typified exactly what he can still bring to this team. The, the, The only reason that he hasn't finished the season is because he's got a goalkeeper ahead of him that hasn't done too badly. But personally I would have liked to have seen him play in that last home game against Newcastle last week Um, but you know whatever the situation and whatever happens with him he's not just been a great player for us but he's been a great ambassador as well I hear so many good things about him I know that uh, another podcast did a the Offside Rule did a a one-to-one interview with him I I met up with um, with the two women that did the interview and they said what a lovely lovely guy he is and uh, that Essentially, I think he is one of the few players that encompasses the the club on and off the field. He's very much one of us, and uh, that performance against West Ham was uh, typified exactly what he's been like for us in his for career.
1: When you get promoted to the Premier League, you need to get lucky with some signings, I think. You need to have some key performance for you, and I think Gomez has been one of those. To get us... I'm not going to say we're established Premier League side. I think we're still too close to the <laughs> to the wrong end for that, and um, that would be far too positive. I'm in danger of getting carried away on this sunny day. Um, but you need to get lucky. You need to have a, a strong core, a strong spine, and I think Aurelio Gomez has been an, a, an absolutely extraordinarily important part of that. Uh, Kieran, Kieran touched on it perfectly there, off the field and on it. He's been, he's been absolutely crucial for us. And uh, I'm hopeful that if we don't see him next year, we might see him this afternoon at Old Trafford. But a, a great guy um, and someone who typifies and exemplifies Watford. I think um, one of those great signings. And I think if he if he does go, uh, we need, we're going to struggle to replace him. Seven, Troy Deeney's
0: and the Arsenal Cajones. It was uh, back in October uh, when Troy made that comment on BT Sport post-match. Um, another man. Uh, who's getting in the chart uh, after many years at the club? Yeah, we, we talk about you know the the performance and the attitude of Gomez typifying uh, him and, and Watford. Troy's comments, absolutely Troy Deeney all over it.
1: And I love it. I love it because you know we're at we're at Old Trafford today, and you could argue that whilst it's an impressive operation, lacks a bit of personality. You're not going to get their players sort of speaking out of turn or necessarily speaking their mind, and that's what you know you're going to get with Troy. And I think. The um, you know TV companies licked their lips when Watford put him up for an interview. I think Troy's more than happy to do it, and I, I quite frankly, I know some people are fed up of hearing from him. They'd rather he did his talking on the pitch. But how refreshing is it to have one of your key performers going out there and telling it like it is? And the fact that he ruffled so many Arsenal <laughs> feathers with it, they're still mentioning it to this day. If Watford lo- can concede a goal in the in a reserves game, they go, oh, what Arsenal fans pop up on Twitter talking about, oh, we are the Kohonas now? It's like, oh, come on, mate. Uh, he's absolutely done you there. Know. So I think it, it, it. Troy's had a tough season off it, off the off the pitch, but much like uh, on the pitch. But much like um, Gomez, he does remain important to Watford in terms of giving us some personality, giving us some, some backbone, giving so a, a player that other players can bounce off I'm sure in the Premier League and uh, in the in the dressing room. A player a player who makes other players accountable in the dressing room. Which I think you need. I think him him and Gomez are, are both important in that respect. Uh, like in, I know in, in ice hockey, they have captains and alternate captains and stuff, and I see. Troy and, and Gomez as is, is like that. So, and, But just from a sheer entertainment and making you smile and having a bit of personality, having someone about your club that's going to um, just do something a little bit out of the ordinary. That personality side of things is so important in football these days. It's so rare, and I, I love that comment. I love that interview, and I know a lot of other people did as well. And quite apart from anything else, he was absolutely on the money. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns!
0: We'll continue on with the top 10 in the minute uh, but this is going to be the final uh, podcast from from the recruitment between now and the end of the season we've got a brand new series which we're developing with our friend Lionel Burney many of you would have read one of his books uh, where we're going to be catching up with some former Watford players managers and people from around the club uh, here's a teaser for what we've got coming up between now and the beginning of the season.
3: When I interviewed you for Enjoy the Game, you said that your support was on hold. I wasn't dealt with very well. I found it tough at the time because in football there's change all the
1: time and sometimes your face fits or you want to bring your own people in, but that's football, but you can do it in a in a, in a proper way as I describe it and, and neither Ray or myself was dealt with and I, I, I felt really disappointed. <laughs> I said going back to one of the first things we spoke about was the fans. They're always there. They're the constants. They're always there and they always will be. So
0: Nigel Gibbs there The first interview On Catching Up A podcast which is going to come out On a monthly basis And we won't just be talking To legends like Nigel On this podcast series We'll also be speaking To a couple of heroes Such as Andy Hessentiler
3: I knew that i had taken behind me If it didn't work out And I could go back to it So I thought oh, I'm going to have a go at this I think that helped Because I knew that What I was going into is, is something I've always wished to do And appreciate it And I think that's why I probably played as long as I did Because she, you just appreciate what I've got now, what i like to be involved in. Something you've always wanted to do, you're now doing it as a job.
0: As well as players, we'll be speaking to the people behind the club from yesteryear. Also, former managers. The first manager we will speak to is Aidy Boothroyd.
1: We had good characters.
2: I think you're right, I think we all grew together. The fact that we'd all been given an opportunity. Marlon, who was probably at a really good time in his career, in that he was Watford was last chance saloon for him really. He'd had his troubles. I think we responded well together, me and him, because I I didn't take any prisoners. I was very clear about what I wanted him to do and what I expected of him and what I didn't expect of him. He was absolutely brilliant for us, absolutely brilliant.
0: Keep subscribing to From the Rooker End. You'll get this new series via our feed with the first podcast coming out in a few weeks' time. Right, surname is Parkinson It's am called Arlo and this is our feature Michael Parkinson So Arlo uh, last game of the season if you could give us a tip for something that's going to happen next year in Watford season maybe a player's going to come through and, and score an amazing goal I think Andre Gray is going to um, score a few more How many do you think, think? about 10 I'll take that all day long thank you very much Arlo bye bye Christian Cabaselli's Twitter account we talked about uh, Troy being outspoken in an abrupt way there but loving it Uh, Christian's a a different sort of comment he makes on his Twitter account
1: very humorous which I which I very much enjoy, and I think it started when um, when he was mistaken on a number of occasions for Adi Negarlo, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think whether people were tagging him in photos or, or newspapers or whatever, so that became a a sort of running gag, and the people used to post themselves with uh, with anyone basically apart from Christian Caballero. Say, oh, "Great to get a picture with Cabba today," <laughs> and he'd jump on it in on uh, on Twitter and uh, and make light of it. Which again, it's, it's about having that little. Uh, bit of personality and that connection with the players which in this day and age again I'll go back to where we are today at Manchester United um, Arlo and I saw the Manchester United players arrive they come to the ground this uh, before the game then they get a a coach to the Lowry Hotel where they have their team meeting which then brings them back to the ground now one player came over to see the supporters and that was Juan Mata and he spoke to Arlo Arlo told him that we supported Watford and he said it doesn't matter have a lovely day um, but the, the, the reason for me to that slightly boring anecdote is a connection they all to a man walk past the unite the hordes of United fans waiting to waiting to see them um, and when you've got someone like uh, Cabacella he's just willing to interact poke fun at himself a little bit um, I think it's absolutely great and he won the uh, community ambassador award at the, at the awards so there's obviously a a slightly more frivolous side to it, which you like there has to be some fun in football, there absolutely has to be, otherwise the whole thing's just a soul-destroying, expensive waste of time <laughs> um, so there has to be some fun some light-heartedness and he provides that and he provides in again interaction with supporters good sense of humour and, and, and to top it all off, a brilliant brilliant footballer and I think we should be looking to build our, our defence around his Twitter account next year
2: Five
0: Tom Cleverley's last-minute goal against... Arsenal we had a bit of a penchant should we say for uh, for last minute goals uh, during the season uh, the first half of the season Kieran, but that one that was the that was the loudest and the the, the, the best one I feel
2: and how upset were Arsenal fan TV after that one that was brilliant <laughs> I loved it do you know what? it was it was a bit of a shame for me on a personal level because I was actually in Orlando um, I missed that game live but I watched it on TV and I remember leaping out of my seat when I uh, when the goal went in but yeah you're right it was it was phenomenal and it was just a, it's just tinge of a little bit of disappointment because obviously ever since then the season kind of petered out didn't it we've never really been able to other than the Chelsea game recreate a moment like that but it typified Tom Cleverley and while we brought him back to the club as well I think that was probably his best performance of the season he absolutely ran the show in midfield Granit Xhaka was absolutely slated in the media and by their supporters afterwards because Tom ran rings around him but the fact that we were able to do that so late in the game and if I remember right, we went behind in that game as well didn't we so to be able to claw our way back to be able to get a victory over look Arsenal have had a poor away season this year. There's no getting away from that. But you can only beat the opposition that's put in front of you. And you know, we've already spoken about Troy Deeney and uh, Cahonas comments. And he was absolutely spot on because they absolutely bottled that game. So brilliant moment, brilliant opportunity to, to celebrate a really, really decent moment in the season. Uh, just a tinge of a little bit of disappointment that we weren't able to build on it. But superb, really, really superb performance to a man.
1: You mentioned the atmosphere in that game, John. You're right to do so, because when that goal went in the crescendo... I get the hairs standing up on the back of my neck just just talking about it. it's one of those moments where just to a man woman child everyone roared and you just get that guttural incredible um, noise that you can't describe unless you're there in, in the middle of it and that's your world just explodes in like joy and uh, and happiness for, for that, that brief few moments and you get a lot of people quite rightly saying oh the Premier League can be a joyless place if you're fighting to stay in the division or you're, you're fighting to finish 12th instead of 13th or you might be on the on the fringes of a the expensive and um, tiring Europa League thing and so what's what's the point in the Premier League well that's the point of the Premier League you get those you get the opportunity to do something against teams like Arsenal teams like Chelsea teams like Manchester United uh, and when it actually comes off when you turn in a performance and throw in a last minute winner that's what it's all about you know it's 5 years ago this weekend to the detroit Deeney goal against leicester which people are quite rightly talking about not because of the game after it not because we failed to get to, to the, the premier league as a result just because of that moment moments is what it's all about and if if the season can give you a couple that you remember and i'm still getting goosebumps about what 6 months about uh, 6 months later about then you know that'll do for me
0: uh, is he one of your alternate captains and you know, possible future club
1: captain t clev t clev yeah absolutely absolutely he works so hard for that for that club, for that team, in the middle of the pitch, water carrier is a is a phrase that gets used often, and I think it's sort of it almost sounds a little bit derogatory, doesn't it? Um, but he's so important. The amount of work he puts in, the tackles he puts in, he's tough, he's small, he's tenacious. Um, he's must be an absolute nightmare to play play against. He's absolutely everywhere, and what he does, he frees up those other creative guys that we've got up in midfield. He, he allows Decore to do what he does best. Um, so yeah, I think. Really, really key for us, and yeah, I think uh, yeah, an alternate captain if we're going to go carry on down this ice hockey uh, analogy. I'm looking forward to slap shot later.
0: Four. Richarlison, the day he became Ricky, away at Bournemouth when he's awesome nutmeg slash trap he took around uh, the Bournemouth defence uh, early in the season. That sort of that move was what got us excited, wasn't it?
2: I can't remember who it was that was playing right back for Bournemouth that day, but Richarlison absolutely ran rings around him. He almost got to the point where you felt sorry for him because Richarlison was taking the mickey by the end of the game. But that nutmeg announced him. You know, we've seen a, a, a young boy who's, we must only remember, he's only t- just turned 21, coming into a league where he doesn't know the language, doesn't know the game, probably doesn't know an awful lot about Watford, his teammates. And when he took to the pitch against Bournemouth, you knew that we had someone very, very special. Now I think as the season's gone on it's he's found it quite difficult, but we've seen what he is capable of and that Bournemouth game, along with maybe a few others, typified the Richarlison that we saw at the start of the season and the skill, the the fact that he scored in that game as well capped off a really memorable performance. But yeah, I think, you know, Bournemouth knew that day that they were in for a game and that is not an easy place to go to. You know, They are not an easy team to play down there and Richarlison absolutely ran rings around them, absolutely showed us what a talent we signed and hopefully what a talent we will have for a few years to come as long as he keeps developing.
1: They come in for some criticism over the last, well, for the last half of the season perhaps, he's looked... um... Perhaps a little bit petulant when he was getting um, getting substitute. I think he had five or six games when he was taken off, and he's missed a he's missed a fair amount of chances, and he's obviously been disappointed with that bit of chin on chest type stuff from Michalak. And I think he's he's had a bit of stick, and you know I've been probably guilty of that myself. I think I've been a little bit disappointed, but I think that's because you're comparing him to that uh, to the start he had, that early season form that that Kieran was just talking about there, which was so mind-blowingly exciting. He thought, "Holy heck!" We talk about you know Gomez and Cleverly and Dini and how important they are to a Premier League squad. Well, Richarlison at that stage was looking like a, a Premier League star. You know, a, a, a top one percenter, if you like. And the fact that he went off the boil was could be put down to a number of factors. But then there was that little video, wasn't there, that Watford put out at the end, of, as part of the end of season's uh, awards. Congratulations to all the winners, of course. Um, that sort of reminded us how young he is. What a big um, transition he's gone through, not only to move to to England, but to move to England. And then the guy who brought him here in Marco Silva has has moved on. Um, The team has struggled, um, which in turn means the attackers have struggled. So he's gone through a lot this season. You know, his his season has almost completely mirrored the, the teams, I would say. And I think perhaps looking back and seeing that little video, I felt a bit guilty about how harshly I I judged him Um, but I think if I'm going to let ourselves off the hook let myself off the hook it's because we were judging him against that that scintillating incredible Barnstorming, silky, just brilliant start to the season he had. He was tough. He was, he was, he was tough in the tackle. He was, he, he was getting fouled all the time. He was just getting straight back up again. There was no nonsense. He was a joy to watch, and it felt like one of the best players we've ever seen in a Watford shirt. And as Kieran says, you could, we just pray and hope that we see that again next season, and he can have a solid full season uh, with the Richarlison we know and love in Watford colours. What's really important is that he is. Not
2: afraid. He has never... While his performances might have dipped, I don't think Richarlison, we could say, has ever hidden in a game this season. I think if you look at the number of efforts that he's had on goal, I know that he hasn't scored for a little while, but he wants the ball and he is trying to create chances and trying to score goals. And I remember at the... Uh, tales from the Vicarage night that we had with, I think it was Ian Bolton and Steve Sherwood said that the way that Graham Taylor played and the way that he encouraged players to play was you have to get the ball forward quickly and you are not going to score if you are not shooting. And Richarlison is certainly someone who is not afraid to have a go. Sometimes he probably needs to pick out a player in a better position, but so many times you watch a game and you're screaming at them, shoot, for God's sake, have a, have a go. He's not afraid to have a go. So hopefully, as time goes on, some of those shots that have gone wide or have been saved will be flying into the back of the net. Three.
1: Decoré's goal against Southampton. The question is, Mike, which one? <laughs> well, two. Well, two very different goals at two very different times of the season that meant two very different things. I think let's stick with the most contentious one <laughs> yeah. out of the way. Uh, out of the way first. I think it's not overstating it to say had that goal not gone in, we may have been relegated. Uh, it saved us a point at the last knockings against Southampton at the end of an absolutely dreadful display. Um, uh, probably kept Marco Silva in a job for, for, for another period of time. Absolutely vital point. And like I say, I think I do wonder what would have happened if it hadn't gone in. Um, it was one of those where... I didn't realise it at the time. It became pretty apparent afterwards that it wasn't uh, a legal part of his anatomy that had uh, that got the ball home. No one wants to see it. I mean, we made sure that when we went down to Southampton uh, for the Cup game later in, in January, that, we're, that everyone, uh, all the Southampton fans were reminded of it. But I think we got our comeuppance that day, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Cheats never prosper. Um, so it was, a, it was an important goal. And I think the fact that it was celebrated so vehemently, despite the despite the questionable nature of the finish, shows just what a what a predicament we were in at the time. So absolutely vital from one of our most important players all season. But yeah, away at Southampton, um, just magnificent. Uh, early on, he found a way of just, it's almost as if uh, whenever Decore hit the ball, it had an inbuilt, homing mechanism I <laughs> uh, remember the goal against Chelsea the the, the 4-2 game where he lost away he equalised just before half time and he just managed to, to find the one spot that he could get in the goal between the defenders it, yeah just the ball has sat now when, when Decoro hit it for that first part of the season um, and yeah he scored some memorable goals uh, both good and uh, questionable hasn't he but again important player important goals I hopefully see him again next season are we going to see him again next season I think so I think so really it's, I think it's going to take an enormous bid to, to prize him away I think the Premier League manager uh, Premier League um, what's enormous I think you're looking 40 million plus
0: I, so I really lots do of, that's not enormous to lots of clubs is it
1: but are you going to play I think clubs have to go to their boards and, and they have to think about their supporters as well I think well, we're going to spend a decent proportion of our of our summer budget on Abdullah Decore who's had what a season in a bit uh, at Watford and um, Less than that sort of in this, with stellar performances, so I think it's a tough sell for a board to sanction a, a big enough deal that's going to keep Scott Duxbury and Gino happy. So, what I'd hate to see is him or or Ricky go in January. Um, certainly, decor because I think that would be incredibly unsettling if he's if he's the linchpin in our midfield that we think he can be next year, and then he disappears in January, then then there's problems. So I think if it's a, if it's a question of sell him now, next summer or January. Definitely next summer, if, if possible But I don't want to lose him in January. I'd rather he went now than January. If we have too much, too many mid-season issues as it is. I think we'll start next year. And I think the same goes for Charles. And I think they'll want big, big, big money. And I don't think, I think the, the second half of the season Watford have had and the second half of the season those players have had isn't going to be enough to tip it over, over the line for, for the sort of clubs that could, could invest in him. Two. The
0: scarves high in the sky... For Graham Taylor uh, on the anniversary of his passing. It's such sort of a simple thing, but I think what we've learned in the last couple of years, the last year and a bit, Kieran, is how important it is to to mark what Graham's done uh, in a continuing way. Uh, and that was breathtaking to see. I didn't see it that well in the ground because you, you got your scarf up, but it was breathtaking to see afterwards on social media and the, the whole
2: crowd holding up their scarves. Oh, 100%. And it's. You say it's a simple thing, it is, but simple gestures can sometimes be the best ones. And again, it highlighted the fondness that the community of Watford and not just Watford Football Club, but the town of Watford have for Graham Taylor. I I went into work the Monday after that and and told my colleagues about what what the club had done and what the supporters had done. And, And my colleagues don't know much about Watford Football Club, but they do know Elton John and they do know Graham Taylor. And the good thing for me is that having worked as a journalist in, in Watford and had the opportunity to, to speak to and interview Graham on a number of occasions, is that everything that you read about and everything that you hear about Graham is 100% true. A lovely individual, a gentleman, will always give you time. He's one of these people who will tell you, I've got 10 minutes, here Kieran, I'm, I'm really busy, I've got to shoot off. And half an hour later, he is still chatting away. And the scarves for GT was just a very small gesture that fans can make and and could make to to show how highly he is thought of and that he will go down as uh, our greatest ever manager, as a legend of the club and of the town, did a huge amount for the football club, did a huge amount for the town of Watford. He put us on the map, no doubt about that whatsoever. Did people know much about Watford before Graham Taylor and Elton John joined the club? Absolutely not. They do now, and it's because of those two individuals, and GT in particular, for the success that we had on the field.
0: Uh, you know, This year we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Watford uh, FC Trust, uh, something that uh, he helped set up and you know s- set the, the vision for, uh, which is, is fantastic. And uh, in August, the pre-season game uh, we'll have at Vickers Road, uh, the new statue of Graham will be... Uh, shown to the world, and something that you know, we're here at Old Trafford, and you know, we all had a look at the, the statues of of Best, Law, and Charlton, and, and, and that'll be something that every away fan will, will go and look at uh, in the future at Vicarage Road.
1: And.
0: Whoa! No. Last year's number one uh, was the sensory Room. Maybe in some ways for in, in honour of, of, of Graham and, and, again, what he defined as What for Football Club. This year, though, it's uh, for that performance against Chelsea, and in particular, Jan Matt's goal. It was the goal of the season, but uh, the goal is the number one. But actually, it was that spell of football, Mike, around that goal that really finished this season off. To yeah. go back to where we started this podcast is still the Premier League Football Club.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What a way to do it. It was one of those uh, tumultuous nights at Vicarage Road, wasn't it, where everything just seemed to go to go right for Watford. It certainly didn't go well for Chelsea, who looked like a team uh, with their mind very much on other things. But we didn't let that bother us. Often when a team gets a player sent off as well, it can, it can disrupt your flow. But Watford went at them all night that, that game. Um, and I remember thinking, when Chelsea equalised, that right, we're done. We are done. This is our season... Over. Oh, so close. We could have been a big team. They've come back. Darn. And we needed that. We needed that win that night. Uh, And it's easy to say, you know, against a team like Chelsea, we needed a win. We were in the absolute depths of despair. We were playing some really, really poor stuff. We had to win. We somehow had to turn our our game around, our season around. And when we saw just how, you know, you can't make any bones about it, just how poor Chelsea were that night. We knew that everyone in the ground sensed it was an opportunity. The team sensed it an opportunity. And when they equalised with, what, eight minutes to go, I was like, I can't believe it. We're done. This This is us. But, but the players didn't think that at all the team didn't think that and luckily the rest of the crowd didn't so the the, the, the team got straight back onto it straight back into the game straight back at Chelsea um, and absolutely smashed them to bits for the final sort of seven or eight minutes which was an absolute joy to behold and and yeah the Yan mac goal watched it again the other night of course because it's the uh, the goal of the season and just the interplay the team play the what I used to say at the start of the pre- season when I was talking to other other supporters I'd say oh, Watford are going well aren't they I'm like, yeah, they blew me one. Ah, they get the ball, they transition quickly from forward, from the back to the front, really, really nicely. They play good football and they score good goals. And that was playing good football, scoring a good goal. But not only that, a vitally important one. And it was great team goal. Not, and it was just so, so important. And, and Kieran was right to talk about the Arsenal game being tinged with, tinged with a little bit of frustration and sadness because it's a reminder of what we could have gone on to go and do. And this, this I think was another one of those where you think. You know, if we'd have been at it if, uh, all season like that we would have been we would have been doing stuff, we'd have been doing bits this season. But take all that out of the equation, it was a must-win. It was it was almost a cup game and they delivered and they delivered with style. So that goal in Pereira's lovely finish as well. Just and delafeu's run from halfway Yeah, Dela as well. It was just a reminder of you know how close, how tantalisingly close this, this Watford side are and that they can do it. They actually can do it for all the nearlys and if, if for that, and yeah, if that hadn't have happened and what aboutery. That's happened too often. But when it, when, the, when the chips were down, they did it that night. And to do it in such style was was magnificent. And I said again, you know, the Arsenal game, it was a moment. That was a moment. You know, people are literally skipping down Occupation Road after that. You're walking on air for, for 24 hours, 36 hours. Not only is your team probably back on track and, and going to stay in the Premier League, but look look how they can play on television in front of millions of people and a bit Chelsea uh, a bit Chelsea 4-1 magnificent
2: a podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end
0: so michael we are at the end of our third season in the uh, Premier League. First of all, thank you to anyone who's downloaded the podcast this year uh, and, and, and and got involved on, on Twitter and uh, interacted on, on Facebook or liked a post on or Instagram. Uh, any any of you we've met at games, you've, you've sort of said hello and you know yeah, said that you. you enjoyed the, the podcast. It's, it's really lovely to, to talk to you guys and uh, do so uh, if you do do see us around. I've got to thank
1: I to thank you, Mike. Hi, look, you no need to thank me. Do it, do it for the love, baby.
0: Uh, thank you to uh, Colin and Kieran. Both of you uh, have uh, been involved with the podcast uh, for the first time this year on, a, on a, you know, a fairly regular basis. But also to Jason, to Geordie, uh, and to DCW who have uh, been part of our, our presenting crew. Of course, to Arlo... Uh, For your wise words, Arlo, uh, we get every week. uh, And if there's a press conference over the summer where you are announced as the new head coach of Watford, we won't be surprised that there's a change and we certainly won't be surprised that it's your name that is being announced. But we go on for one more season, at least, uh, in the Premier League. Another round of games against the top teams,
1: top players uh, in the world, apparently. Looking forward to it already. Looking forward (laughs) to it already. I think I'll have a couple of hours off. Uh, A small beer when I get in, once we've done battle with the M6. Uh, Might watch a couple of hours of cricket, and then it'll all be about who we're signing, who's going, and that battle for Europe. Come on, you hornets, we've got it this time. Come on, you (laughs) horns!